Welcome to this week in sparkling water. My name is Ewa Kameaksen and I'm the host of this week in sparkling water. And so far my voice makes this sound like this is a this is a job. Here's what's going on. I'm moving and I found a place that I really like that I'm going to move to, I think. But here's the thing about it. I haven't seen it yet. And I find that really embarrassing, sort of, because I have this image in my head of how grown-ups don't make emotional decisions like that to like something until they've seen it. That's, I think, that's probably not true, but that's how I feel. Everyone, most people are probably like me, where you... You sit around on the internet and you read a bunch of job ads and you just read a little bit about the ad and then you already feel like, yeah, that's the job for me. And you get really emotionally invested thinking about it, even though it's like, maybe you haven't even applied yet. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> you know, you're on the dating app and you see like a picture of someone and you imagine this entire life with them. <laughs> And you haven't even messaged them yet, let alone been responded to, let alone had a conversation, let alone met, let alone, you know, seen them naked or whatever. Whew. But so, I um, have been looking for a place to stay, for a place to move to. And in my defense... I don't know. I feel like this draws out a lot of my emotional immaturities of making poor decisions and stuff. It's tough. Making good decisions about big things like this is so tough. <clears throat> I remember this one, my la my la the last apartment that me and the woman I divorced lived in was in northern Seattle in Ballard. And I remember we were looking at a place for looking at places for a while and it was really tough to find something because the housing crisis makes it so that um you're not allowed to do a proper thinking process you're not allowed to like strike up a conversation about it see the place think about it for a reasonable amount of time like three days and then make a decision there's only they have a time when you do a viewing. This is how it was in Seattle. They have a time when you do a viewing. A bunch of people show up to look at it. And then you have to run to the to the like uh, property manager to be like, I want it. And the person who says, I want it, the first gets it. It's like, what a stupid fucking system, you know? So I remember we went and looked at this like shitty apartment. It was a basement unit, you know? Fucking basement so on the front, it did have like some windows because there was like a lower than ground level ground outside of our window, but it had a big overhang. So it was super dark and it was just like, there was a fence in front of us and beyond the fence, there was a parking structure, like just the most, not even like fun dystopian, just like mundane, boring, ugly, you could imagine. And I remember... When we walked in, my wife like walked up to the property manager and was like, 
I'm I'm so I'm so tired of looking. I really want this looking for a place process to be over. So we'll take this one. I just I want this one because I I can't. She said some version of that. She's like I can't I can't wait for this looking process to be over. So I want this one. And I just remember thinking even in the moment that like that's the worst reason I've ever heard for picking an apartment. Uh, like real, that shows real I- incorrect attitude. That's showcasing an incorrect attitude. But so, then there was a lot of other shit like that. In the, all the last apartments I've lived at, all the last houses I've lived at, there's just been like this nonsense where I didn't really, I didn't really feel properly involved and I didn't feel like they were mine. And I, I haven't lived alone for a long time. And now I found a place. It's a little bit north. And I'm going to live alone. And there's definitely some drawbacks with this place that might be a deal breaker. I'm interested in this because I, I think... So I'm going to go look at it in an hour. Like right after recording this. I'm going to go look at it. And then I I might record some more. Because right now I'm emotionally set on this place. And so if it works out, then I can just be all cool and be like, yeah, this, I found a place, like I'm all cool. And then if it's, if there's some huge glaring issue that makes me, that turns me off, then I'm interested in this sense of embarrassment that happens when you like say that you're into something and then it turns out that you're not. So I might record a little bit more and meditate on that feeling of embarrassment because I haven't seen this place, and this place is 400 square feet, which is about 40 square meters, which is very, very small. And it has a little kitchen. It doesn't have a stove. It has a stove top. It has a little fridge. It has a shower and a bathroom, and it's like the basic shit. It doesn't have laundry, but it has all the other basic shit, and it's like 40 square meters. So it's just one room. It's a cottage. And it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, I live on the outskirts of a tiny town with 3,000 people in the, like, greater town area. And now I'm about to live 25 minutes from that town. Just, yeah. And I might be isolated as fuck. And it's kind of, and in my mind, I'm like... <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, ooh, it's, what if it's too small for me to have dinner parties? And then I think about how right now I'm living in this big house that's perfect for big dinner parties. And I've never had a dinner party here. I've lived here for a year and a half. And I had one time I had uh, Natasha and Stephanie over from work. I was trying to make it a big dinner party, but only two people showed up. And it was nice, but it's like, oh. There's so many, there's so much lying to myself. Like, what, am I going to move into this place and then not have dinner parties and then be like, oh, if only I lived in a bigger place, I'd have dinner parties all the time. Is that what I'll be saying? It's so hard to, like, honestly convert our time, like, to think of our time as money and money as time, to think of it as one thing. Because in some level you have to make that decision like eventually someone will offer you a place where you can live for free like on one end of the spectrum 
there are probably places out there where you are allowed to live for free, but you have to like work on shit for the people for like a bunch of t so if you have to work on something 60 hours a week to live somewhere for free then you have to break that down like so what is my time worth here and this is what this is because this place is kind of cheap but it's like what i'll be driving 25 minutes to work so that's like five hours a week almost so that's like 20 hours a, a month almost so what if my time is worth 30 bucks an hour yeah you know what's what it's so hard to make grown-up decisions it's so hard to not see one picture that's just like one angle of the house and then to just be like okay so i'm imagining my whole house here now and i like the way it feels to imagine it so now that's what i'm doing that i i always yeah i always struggled with the emotional um aspect of looking for a job because it's like it was it's like you see a job ad and then i always found that to write an application i have to imagine myself there to write a good cover letter to explain why i would be really good and why i would be a cultural fit and all this stuff you have to really actually do the emotional legwork and imagine yourself there. And then once you press send, you have to like, that whole world that you've given birth to, now you have to kill that world and go to the next ad. Because you can't be fucking applying for one job and then wait until they reject you and then apply for another one because it might take fucking five weeks until they reject you or they might never get back to you, you know? And I always found that so emotionally draining. The dreaming. I don't know. I don't think everyone experiences like that. Because especially in Sweden. I mean, people in America do this a little bit. But especially in Sweden, people have this thing where what they do on the computer that they find relaxing is to go to real estate websites. And to just browse houses. And they just sit and browse the beautiful photography of the houses that are for sale. And they just think about them. So people spend like three hours a day, every single day, just doing that. This is like, instead of Facebook, you just scroll through the feed of houses. And so those people have found this way to relax into the imagination. Relax into the imagination legwork of... Um, being like, what would it be like to be there? I can hear a mosquito. And it also sounds a little bit like someone talking through the wall. I can't tell if it's a ghost talking through the wall or a mosquito. Man, there was a spider on the floor yesterday. I put my glasses on the floor yesterday next to this chair where I was sitting and reading. And then I moved the chair and then I'm standing there in the room and I look down and my glasses are in the middle of the floor. And I go to reach down and there's a spider next to my glasses. I swear to God, from tip to tip, toe to toe, this spider was almost as big as one lens. And I, I mean, I was alone. There's something about, I like being alone at the house so I can do my pod. And so I can just like be not distracted, but I'm also terrified. Everything is so terrifying to me. And then I, 
<laughs> and I go outside to like get something for my car to kill the spider with. And then there's this like deer standing around my car. And I don't notice them at first. I'm like all fucking terrified of the spider walking towards my car. And then suddenly there's this enormous, you know, 100 pound, 150 pound animal as tall as me. Not, not scared of me right there. And I'm like, fuck, I'm terrified. And I'm about to move out into the fucking, I got to buy a gun, dude. I got to buy a gun just for the, like, I don't care about the statistics that like you buy a gun and you're, you're statistically, you're going to get in trouble. I don't care. It's just at least then, I mean, if I had a gun, I would accidentally shoot deer all the time, like not hit them, but I would. I would have a handgun and I would just like fire at deer in terror. Ugh, I'm so stupid. I'm not going to buy a gun. Uh, okay, so I'm excited about the waters I'm reviewing today. They're actually going to be good. It's three watermelon flavored waters. And the first one, the brand is called Goat. And on top, in on the top part of the can, it says "greatest of all time." So it's a pun because the I, the logo is a goat. It's a stylized goat icon, and it says "goat fuel energy drink." So we're doing this cheating thing where it's sparkling water, but it's also an energy drink. Watermelon fruit punch. I just by the design of this, I think I'm gonna like it, and also I just like the flavor of most energy drinks because you know. I'm a little bit white trash like that, you know? I'm a... Oh, God, I almost said I'm a little bit Mexican, and that's so racist. That smells watermelony and fruit punchiny, and it sounds sounds good. It sounds good in my ears. Yeah, there's just something about energy drinks where they all have this, like, very similar sort of medicinal acidic very it's interesting how unhealthy it tastes but it tastes good i just like it bro how much how much caffeine 200 milligrams of caffeine in this tiny can okay all right that's trouble mm. delicious goat fuel yeah so sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'm like I got to roll out of bed and do a pod so I make sure the first water is an energy drink so we get going. So yesterday, <laughs> yesterday I go to uh, Save Mart to buy water. I was all out of water. I was so stressed out. I'm moving. I had to do a uh, moving is so you like just universally stressful, like making the right decision and thinking about just conceptualizing what it would be like to take everything you own and box it all up and then unboxing it all in a tiny space like there's nothing worse than moving from a very big space to a very small space that's literally the worst thing a human being can experience but so i'm stressed out about that and then i'm stressed out about how suddenly we get this email from work that we all have to do this like server alcohol server certification test and you only have two weeks and it's a four-hour course and i just don't have four hours and then i'm i need to record a podcast and i just don't have any water so i did like a little water inventory and realized that I had nothing almost. So I go to the store with, and I've written down everything I have at the house so that I can build flights. So I go and I've got, get a bunch of shit. I got some clearly Canadian. I got some good shit. Like we're about to, 
we're about to review some good good stuff in the next episode. But um and then there's this thing. It's called like Alohi and the flavor is peach bellini and it's like this new brand that has all these like uh non-alcoholic sort of al- the cocktail inspired flavor profiles and like a really nice muted sort of tropical graphic profile and it looks all good and and it looks like it's going to be way too sugary but it's like new sparkling water so we're doing it and then they come in these 10 packs right and i'm not out here trying to fucking buy 10 peach bellinis like i don't want this even I want one. So you know you boys out there in the grocery store ripping that fucking cardboard box open and grabbing one can out of there even though you're not allowed to do that. And then you know you boys at the self-checkout fucking scanning that can and nothing shows up in the computer and everything starts blinking because the computer knows that you fucking broke the rules and you fucking rip that cardboard box out open and just you're trying to buy something that's not for sale. And so I'm standing there at the self-checkout getting my getting my my story straight in my head like oh yeah I found this over by the apples it was alone I thought I could buy it I'll pay anything how about you just ring me up for a Coca-Cola I'll pay $4 for this can you know getting my story straight in my head standing there you know relaxing my shoulders you know trying to trying to get my TMJ, my my lockjaw in fucking order for, for me to do this acting exercise with the fucking floor manager of the Save Mart. And then I'm waiting and no one is coming. So I'm scanning everything else and I'm putting the putting the peach bellini off to the side and I'm scanning and I'm scanning. And, and then I've scanned everything and then I'm noticing that the lady in the self-checkout next to me has actually been waiting for a long time and her shit's been blinking for a while, you know? Because a lot of things make it blink. If you're trying to buy alcohol, that makes it blink. If you're, I don't know, if you do anything wrong, if there's anything weird on the scale, if anything weighs not what the computer is expecting, I think if you use your own bag, you have to get the um, the staffer to blip their card and be like, yeah, he's just got his own bag on there. And... um and the lady next to me is getting quite agitated because she's waited for a long time and there's no staff showing up. And she's on her phone. And she's like, yeah, we're going to be late. There's no one here. My shit's, my shit's been blinking. There's no one here. And then it's like it, there's a very agitated feeling rising up in the crowd because I'm realizing that everyone's shit is blinking. Everyone needs a store attendant to come and blip their card. And I got my peach bellini in one hand. I got everything. I'm like, everything is rung up. I put my card in, but it won't let me pay yet. But it's look, it's it's registered my card. It won't let me pay. And then my shit just timed out. And there was this ruckus in the in the crowd because everyone was stressed out and everyone was. The lady was like, yeah, we're going to miss our appointment because there's no. And someone is yelling from the cross. I'll be right over. I'll be right over. And everyone's like, yeah. And I fucking shoplifted this peach bellini, bro. I was like, fuck it. And as I'm telling the story, I'm getting stressed out because I realized that as much as in real life, I'm cool because everyone was mad at that moment. 
the cam- like each each self checkout unit has a has a camera though. They could definitely on that camera see me steal the Bellini, and I paid with a card, which is like you know it identifies me. So I might be going to prison. I might be going to grocery store prison, but you know, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to grocery store prison, but I might be going. I think after I move to this house, I'm going to double down on my thing of living legally. Like um, getting a bunch of lawyers and getting a divorce and getting my green card all sorted was like one step of really getting away from a gray area where I'm... I wasn't ever illegal, but it's just like when, when you're in your first year of having a temporary green card I think you're not allowed to break the law at all and then getting into AA was the second thing of of really realizing that like I'm an anxious person and I really just benefit from being completely compliant just feeling like what in Swedish we had this expression of having clean flour in your bag I really benefit from having clean flour in my bag. It's like a reference to back in the olden days when you had a stone grinder. You had a like fucking um, a farmer that grows the wheat and then he brings it to the mill and then the mill will grind his wheat into flour. And then you try to sell your flour and flour is a fungible good, you know. A pound of flour is always worth the same. Any pound of flour can be exchanged for any other pound of flour. But the thing is that it needs to be proper, pure, clean flour, right? So I'm sure back in the olden days when people had sacks of flour, some people tried to whisker the biscuit and they tried to fucking dilute the flour or it was just full of wee wills or it was full of something, you know? And they didn't have clean flour in the bag. And, and when you don't have clean flour in the bag and you're trying to get away get get um get away with something, you um there's a level of anxiety in your heart. And in Swedish the, the, it's a it's a it's a metaphor for having a calmness of heart, having clean flour in your bag. And I really want to live my life with clean flour in my bag is something I realized in AA. So I really have many times in the three years of sobriety, I've been confronted with, it's usually related to money where it's like, do you want to pay this 500 bucks to be completely compliant? And then I'm stressed out about money all the time and I'm always trying to save money. So I'm like, in the past, I'd like break the rules and stuff to save money. And then ever since I got into AA, I just realized that the feeling of having clean flour in my bag is worth a lot of money, actually. And it's actually very important for me to pay extra money to be completely good and to feel, I don't know. I talked about how I got pulled over a couple of weeks ago and um, (laughs) I got so fucking stressed out. I got so stressed out and the fucking guy asked me for my license and registration and everything is like completely compliant. And I fucking pay the 500 bucks for the car registration. And it's like, uh, I 
got such a stomachache and my mouth got so dry. And even though I hadn't done anything wrong, I wasn't even speeding or anything. He just thought I wasn't like staying in my lane. And I show him everything and there's like no reason for me to be stressing out. But I was stressing out. And um, I don't know, almost I feel like after having lived like 25, 30 years of just being a scoundrel and just being like a low life and just being a cheat and just being a very anxious cheat. I think it almost takes a decade of having clean flour in your bag before you, it really sinks into your subconscious that you're one of these guys that don't have anything to worry about before you really change. And I think it has started to change where I feel a lot better about stuff but it takes so long for the subconscious to accept a new reality so <clears throat> so shoplifting wasn't good shoplifting was a step in the wrong direction basically the lesson is that i should buy the 10 pack yeah what i should do is i should buy the 10 pack and then i should get the other nine and i should bring them into work and put them in the fridge and tell all my homies in the back that I got all these waters for him. That's the way to do it. Because then I'm investing social capital into a bilateral relationship with each person back there, which is capital that I need. You know, because then later I'm like, bro, I need some free beef towel salsa. Don't tell chef. <clears throat> and hey, Virginia, if you listen to this, don't tell your husband that sometimes I ask for free shit also i never do <laughs> oh god i never do i always bring it in i ring everything in bro i'm not in the business of giving out free shit i ring everything in do i i don't know i don't know buttermilk basil do i ring in every side of Ranch that studied abroad? I don't know. Maybe I do. Let me check the time. All right, we're pretty good. We're pretty good. I have to be in North San Juan in one hour and 21 minutes. Oh. I'm really sick of having, like, not living alone and feeling like I'm not in control of how clean do we keep our flour. It's not so much sharing the space. It's not so much because I actually have a big philosophy about how I think it's good to be like in your late 20s and in your early 30s and have roommates if you're single, because I think it's, it's a very problematic path to get a really nice house and live alone and be single and try to get into a relationship because I've met all these people when you're medium successful professionally and you've focused quite a bit on your profession and getting money and getting a nice house that you then end up, you end up living alone and you end up really liking your home situation. And it really holds you back in terms of romantic relationships because it's so hard once you have um, your habits in place and you're psychological neurological grooves in your mind about how you like to have your house you can get really rigid about it and you don't want to because living with someone is a compromise even if it's a romantic partner you have to compromise on every square foot is two people that have to come up with 
an agreement on what is this square foot going to look like and what is it going to be used for and what can we leave here and what can we not leave here and, and all that. And if you live alone, you get really blind to your own messiness and you get really into your own tidiness. And then it's really hard to join, to, to, to just like enter a union. Whereas if you have a roommate, you're always low-grade annoyed with your roommate. And that low-grade annoyance stops you from developing these like really well-developed, rigid habits of how you like it. So as much as it feels uncomfortable and it feels like, fuck, I'm a loser, I'm 31 and I have a roommate, it's like, I do believe that at least you are keeping yourself nimble and flexible and keeping the door open to getting into a relationship with someone where you can still, you're still open to the conversation because I've, I've tried to strike up a relationship with some not super young women who have their, who've been living alone and who, you know, who know how they like it. And now they might get stuck being alone forever because God, that's such a fucking, wow. Okay. All right. Joe Kim's a hater. Joe Kim's kind of a piece of shit. Breaking news. Joe Kim is kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> I always talk about this. I'm like, um, I need to call my bank in Sweden. I'm always calling my bank in Sweden because they're always fucking some shit up. And I'm just, I just find it so jarring every time because I'm trying to, I've been trying to call them and they put me on hold and, and I, it just drops and I have to make the call at midnight. So it's like, I really don't have the stamina to really hang in there for an hour. I might do it tonight. Brutal, devastating. But so I was messaging them. Because they, they, they made it so that they've turned off everyone's ability to send money out of Sweden. And then they put this little notice on their website that, like, if you want to turn on this function again, you have to call us. And so I've been calling them and not getting through. And then I messaged them and was like, can you turn it on for me? And then they, they responded with this message. And the message is in a voice that is so fucking rude. And it's just like... I mean, but I, I don't know. It's just different than how anyone... Because in America, you will sometimes interact with service people who's, for whom English is a second language. And then you can take something where if you printed it out, it would seem very rude. But really, it, it doesn't sound that rude because once it's like accented, you, you t you, there's like a, you price that in. So you're like... I don't know. The sentiment isn't rude. But in Sweden, you get this like incredible lack of service. Inc people are so... People love the rules. People just love following the rules. And I think it really speaks to the clean flower in the bag thing. Like this lady messaged me from the bank and was like, yeah, if you want to turn that function on, you have to call us. 
And I'd already said in my message, like, I've been trying to call you. Can you turn this on for me? I can't get through. Like, I've been on hold for an hour. She's like, if you want to turn it on, you have to call us. And it's like, there's no, she's not even like engaging with the thing I said, you fucking bitch. Oh, it made me so mad. <clears throat> so my dad, I talked to my dad on the phone for the first time in almost a year. Uh, yeah, I hadn't talked to him since I was in Sweden last um Exactly a year ago. So I talked to him on the phone and he everyone's got cancer and it's all bad and everything. But then he told me this story. He was hanging out with my sister's kid. My sister's kid is like two years old or something. And he went to the grocery store with the sister's kid. And the sister's my sister's kid is Liu. That's the name of the kid, okay? L L O Liu. Which means Lynx. It's a little bit of a Swedish hippie name. It's like the the cat animal Lynx. It's a it's the cat animal. We only have like one wild cat animal around there. We don't have bobcats and mountain lions, but we have lynxes. So they named the kid Liu. So Liu is sitting in the um, <clears throat> shopping cart. You know where they have the little spot for the tiny kids? And my dad has bought a scratch off because he's an uneducated man, you know? He's a rough around the edges. I want to say blue collar, but he hasn't had a job for decades so he's that guy you know he's that guy buying scratch-offs you know so he bought a scratch-off and he, there was like a you know twenty dollar or f fucking something like that he won he won twenty dollars on a, on a on a lottery ticket so he, so he's got this lottery ticket and he it's like a colorful piece of paper right so he gives he, the two year old he let the two year old hold it cuz it's like a colorful piece of paper so the two year old likes to just hold it and wave it around and stuff and he's in the grocery store and he's buying shit and then he gets to the register and he's going to cash in this lottery ticket <clears throat> the kid isn't even two years old yet i think the kid is like a year and a half and um so he grabs this lottery ticket from the kid who's a year and a half. And he tries, and he, he's paying for everything. And then when he's paying, he also grabs the lottery ticket and he's like giving it to the cashier. And he's like, and also I'd like to cash this in because there's like 20 bucks on this scratch off lottery ticket. And the cashier is like, no, nah, I can't do that. And he's like, why? And the cashier is like, because the kid held the lottery ticket. And he's like, what do you, like, and it's like the lottery ticket, you have to be 18 for the lottery ticket. You can't, like, take a lot, you can't, like, have a, a young, a, a minor do the lottery ticket and then cash it in for them. And my dad is like, dude, this kid is a year and a half. This kid is pre-verbal. This kid did not ask me to get them a lottery ticket. This kid was just holding a colorful piece of paper to entertain them for a moment. And the cashier is like, nah, the rules are the rules. You know, Swedes, they like to keep that, that bag of flour really fucking clean, you know? So my dad, he didn't get like super obsessed, upset. He got annoyed. He got annoyed. And then later at dinner with my sister and my sister's dude and uh, others, they're having dinner and my dad retells the story. And my sister's dude, we were actually, me and my dad were talking about what a good dude he is. How he's just like, 
he's just like so straight. Like he's had diff- really, really difficult experiences and he just did not let them destroy him. And he's just like super humble and he works super hard and he, you know, he's like the only Swede I know who served in the military. He served in Afghanistan and what he took away from it was like this incredible love of that country and those people. And like, he really wants to do, go there as a tourist and just see more of the beautiful nature and stuff and get to know the people more. And then he comes home and he's a software developer and he makes like 200 grand a year being a software developer, just working day to night, you know, waking up at 5am every day, going to the gym, being super healthy. And he's a vegan and he recycles and he's like super environmentalist, like just every single part of being a modern human, which is the way to be a modern human in the best way, you know, drives a hybrid just such a really fucking good dude. And here's the thing, doesn't preach about it. Has never said anything about veganism to me. Has never pushed me, has never pushed anyone around him into feeling guilty about their choice. Just like really set, just like really calm and quietly trying to be a good person for himself without make being, um, I've talked about him so many times on the podcast because I just find, find it to be like such an inc- like such a fascinating psychological model just in terms of uh, comparing it to myself because I'm such a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm such a piece of shit. But I like try to find something good about myself and then I try to talk about it on a podcast one hour every week. <laughs> it's like, wow, inconceivable for, to me what's going on in the mind of this person. Like, Cannot there cannot possibly be any overlap between us. We are completely different. But so the point is that me and my dad were talking about what a good dude he was. And then my dad brought this up because he was like, this is the one thing he's ever done that made me actually not feel great. Because what happened is that my dad was telling the story at dinner about the scratch off lottery ticket and how the cashier wouldn't cash it in. And this guy, my sister's dude, he's like, yeah, that's, that sounds about right. Like, they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't cash it in. Like, the rules are the rules. The kid touched the lottery ticket, so we can't cash in the lottery ticket. There's no fucking fine print in the, in the rules about, well, if the kid is younger than five, then you're allowed to do it. It's just, if you're 18 or younger... You're not allowed to be touching them. You can't buy alcohol. You can't buy alcohol for them. Miners can't give you money to buy alcohol for them. Miners can't give you money to buy a scratch-off ticket for you. You know, miners can't cash in lottery tickets. You can't cash in lottery tickets for miners. Those are the rules. Just like um, automaton, you know? Swedish automaton. And my dad told the story... And what he really, what the story was really about, what I really heard in his voice, and this is like a man who hasn't had a, like, who got fired from his last job or like quit his last job when he was like 40 and then tried to start his own company and it failed. And it just petered out into nothing. And it was like a company where he just like had some inventory in his garage and he's watched TV all day and it was just nothing. Here's a truly lonely man, you know? Like a man who just drinks and watches TV and never leaves his apartment. Like a truly isolated, lonely, alienated man. And then he tells his story. And it's really a story about alienation. Because if you are 
just trying to be a human? Because wiggle room, there's something human about wiggle room. There's something about how the difference between a computer and a man is wiggle room. And it's like we have a book of the book of rules, you know, the rule of law. And it, as interpreted by a computer, you can get this perfect sterile interpretation. But then we, we're humans, aren't we? And then can't we apply a little bit of reason to, this, to the rule of law? And can't we find a little bit of human wiggle room? And my dad is telling the story and everyone at the table is like, no. The miner touched the lottery ticket. You can't cash it in. They did it right. And my sister's dude is like, what if there was a, a, um, controlant? How do you say that in Swedish? Just like a fucking inspector, you know, like an in inspector from the lottery commission standing outside the grocery store with some binoculars, looking in, looking at the cashier through his binoculars, making sure that no miners are, who have touched lottery tickets, that no, no lottery tickets that have been touched by miners are cashed in. What if that, inspector was standing outside of the store with some binoculars and the guy gets the cashier gets fired because he cashes in the ticket you know which is such a like i don't know if it's what the computer would say but it is a frustrating stupid example <laughs> like what a stupid example because these are the swedes you know and you walk around in Sweden and what's going on inside of the minds of all of these people is that there are rules and we follow the rules and there's no there's no trash on the street everyone's a vegan because if you just do the math you got to be vegan bro we don't have enough planets for everyone to eat meat so we're all going to be driving hybrids and we're going to be vegan and and we're going to shut up about it and we're all going to make sure that we don't do too much fast fashion and we're all going to recycle and when I say recycle, I don't mean American recycle. I mean like everything you buy and consume and discard will have to be sorted into 20 different compartments of 20 different types of materials and different types of plastics and glasses and and so that it can all go back into a sustainable system because those are the rules. You know, we have to focus on spreading feminism in Uganda. This is our mission. We have to, we, you know, folk uniform, the folk uniform of the indigenous people. We have to develop a new folk uniform of the indigenous Sami people, which is unisex because gender is a construct and we have to respect the Sami, but we also have to make them unisex, the, the unisex uniform, you know? Because these are the rules and we walk around and we are automatons and we follow the rules. And it's like incredibly alienating to be in a room full of people and realize that everyone in the room is an automaton who just is obsessed, not obsessed with following the rules, who's really re has a really relaxed. It's almost worse that they're relaxed. Like if they were just obsessed, if they were just struggling to follow the rules, it'd be more human. But for them to be really relaxed in how they follow the rules... It's like even more terrifying because that's even more something where you feel like not like where you feel like alienated from them. People being surrounded by people who are just having such an easy time not being human. 
like people who have no, like humans who have no problem being not human is a really alienating conversation partner. So that's what my dad was saying. He found himself at a dinner table with all automatons. You know, they speak the same language and they look the same and they are his family. But, but, and he didn't tell the story like that. He just told it as like, yeah, that was a little bit much. But really, my dad is the one Swede who didn't make it, you know? My dad is the one Swede who couldn't, who couldn't hack it in the office and who just like had panic attacks every day and, and had to quit. And then I'm the other Swede who couldn't hack it and I just wandered off, you know? Never stopped wandering. Ugh, God. Fucking Swedes, dude. My friend Sebastian, <laughs> my friend Sebastian, he was in Skåne. That Sweden is divided into twenty-eight landscapes. That's our political uh, subdivision. Twenty-eight landscapes. I'm from the southernmost one, which is called Skåne. So Sebastian was down in Skåne for the summer because everyone in Sweden has two months vacation right now, and um, he he went to this little town called Ista, which is just twenty thirty minutes from where we grew up, and apparently. He on the street. He saw this sign. It's a nice big, it's a nice big permanent sign for a photo studio where this guy named Dick Lindström. His French name is Dick. His last name is Lindström. He's a photographer. So the name of the photo studio is like Fotografen Dick Lindström. And then under that, on this big nice sign, this big nice backlit sign, it's the URL to the website. And the URL is www.dickpics.org. <laughs> Fucking dick pics, bro. I love it when people, I don't know, it's just great, you know. It's just great. You do something in one language and it's all good in one language. And then you just choose to not be aware of other languages. And here's the thing is dick pics without a K, D-I-C. Dick pick, D I C P I C, dickpicks.org, um, which is almost worse. There's almost, it's like the word, when you take the word sack and you drop the K, S A C is like an almost more disgusting word because it's like, it's like an insect sack of fucking spider, <clears throat> spiderlings. Like you touch a sack and it will immediately burst and a thousand spiders will crawl over your arm. That's what my association is with the word sack. Anyway, dude, <clears throat> fucking Sweden, bro. They should fucking cancel Sweden. So there's another thing I was thinking about how it's like this concept of you want to have clean flour in your bag. It is important, though, to realize how the world is an imperfect place because when you approach it with like an obsessive, addictive way... You, it's easy to take that too far. Like I got this email a few days ago because when I did my taxes on the very last page, they try to sell you some shit. They try to sell you a new credit card and then they try to sell you an identity protection bullshit thing. And 
because they were giving me like four grand in a tax rebate, I was feeling real flush with money. So smart of them. It's such a good moment to try to sell you shit. Cause like I had, they were going to give me four grand and then they were like, but do you want to buy this $50 identity protection thing so that people can't steal your identity on the dark web? And I was like, well, I got four grand right here. So yeah, take 50 bucks and protect my identity. Even though I know about computers and I know that there's no such thing. There's no such thing as protecting anyone against anything, really. And so then I get this email every month with a report of the dark web, a dark web report. And not every month, but sometimes they, they send me an email saying, your, your email address have, your email address has shown up on the dark web. People might be trying to steal your identity. And then you can like click it and go deeper into it and be like, what, what did they find? And then <clears throat> there's shit about it. And it's so interesting because if you start thinking about that, there's nothing good for you there. Like that's only going to get worse. It's very important not to think about that stuff too much. I remember being 25 years old and having no money and feeling like, yeah, my shit's not set up properly. Like I have all my passwords saved in a file. Um, <clears throat> like my banking isn't set up safely. My passwords aren't set up safely. My my just online presence isn't properly set up, but I have no money and I have nothing for them to steal. So it doesn't matter. But, and I, I remember being 25 and thinking later I will start amassing money. And when I do, I'm going to set up a perfectly safe system so that I can relax and feel safe. And I'm going to go later. I'm going to do perfection. And that's my, that was my expectation. My expectation was that later I will follow the rules and I will have clean flour in my bag and I will set up a perfectly safe thing and I will relax and I will live in a fortress. And then fast forward five years or something, I started like having some money and I, and I came to this like incredibly earth shattering realization that that doesn't exist. Like I truly believed that that was an option. But then you realize that you have your money in a bank and the bank can just like go away. And the bank is also the worst place to have your money. So you have to put your money somewhere and it's like everything can go away. There is no, the money itself can go away. And it's like, so yeah, I just finished that book 4,000 weeks and it's like, <clears throat> it really speaks to that thing of how if we're a little bit anxious and, and obsessive, perfectionism is really our flaw. And and for some reason, it's so unclear to me why it's like this. But for some reason, we all believe that three weeks from now, everything will be different. And three weeks from now, everything will be good. Like, I truly, truly still believe that. Deep down, I still believe that right now, my life feels out of control. And every time, at any moment, if you ask me, I can give you a completely, a story that I personally find completely believable about why it's true. Like right now, the story is right now I'm stressing the fuck out because I'm moving and because 
I'm about to publish the novel. And as soon as I've finalized the design for the novel, and as soon as I've moved, everything will be fine and I will have turned a corner. And three weeks from now, my life will be a state of complete relaxation. Like, I truly believe that. And I'm 35 years old. I'm about to turn 36. And at every single moment of my life, you can ask me, hey, are you stressed out right now? And what do you believe about three weeks from now? And at any point, I will tell you, yes, I'm stressed out as fuck right now. But three weeks from now, everything will be different. And I, I will finally have resolved my stuff. I guess it's because, I mean, it's because of this forward-looking setup of the human mind where we don't, I don't look at the, I don't choose to remember the 50 things I just finished. Because if I just remember the 50 tiny tasks I just finished, then I'd be like, sit there. I would sit there with the sense of completion and the sense of calm of having done a good day's work because I just did 50 things. I just put effort into 50 things and finish them and now they're good and now I can relax. Like that is not the makeup of the human mind. But it's so delusional because it's like, I'm always like three weeks from now, I'll fi things will finally be perfect. It's incredible that I still believe it. All right, let's review another water. Oh shit, we're running out of time here prebiotic soda the brand is called poppy for a healthy gut prebiotic be gut happy be gut healthy dude how is this not one more of what i'm talking about it's like people just if it's so powerful to sell stuff to people by playing into a vague sense of worry in them and there are all these vague sense there are all these spaces in our lives where we cannot get perfection and if you speak to that inability to achieve perfection, you can manipulate people into spending money. So be it identity theft. Like there is no way to have a perfect setup and to avoid identity theft. Identity theft can happen to anyone. And you can do like the tiniest bit around the margin that does almost nothing. And you can spend a million dollars to just to just improve your odds a tiny bit and still be in a completely imperfect state. And everything I just said also applies to your gut health. Because like, if you start asking someone like, how does your stomach really feel? Do you, do you, does your stomach feel a little bit anxious and like not settled? Any person who has the least bit of anxious or obsessive or perfectionist setup will be like, yeah, my you're right. My stomach feels like it could use a prebiotic drink. I don't even know what the word prebiotic means. Infused with apple cider vinegar. Immune, immunity sidekick. Immunity sidekick is a funny expression. Pop cultured. Facts. No one wants a basic drink. So make every happy hour with this bubbly better for you. Oh, they really fucked up the design here because... They did a really a white font on a really light green background, so it's really hard to read, which is something that I've thought a lot about in the last week, trying to finalize the design of my cover. Make every happy hour better with this prebiotic so that it keeps your gut happy and gives you gives your bod a boost. 
downright delicious with five grams of sugar or less. These bubbly, these bubbles with benefits will be your new BFF. Okay, unreadable because of the choice of colors. Unreadable. Watermelon. Wow, that's a crazy smell. Totally crazy smell. Smells like, I don't know, bread and fruit. And yeah, it smells fermented. Oh my God. Tastes like a, like a slice of white bread with a bunch of crushed up candy on it. Like a bunch of crushed up Jolly Ranchers sprinkled on a slice of sourdough. Yeah, that's, I don't, that doesn't really work for me. That doesn't, that's way too sweet and disgusting. That's a four out of 10. That's a four out of 10. So I got this email from ID Notify that my fucking email address is in the dark web and I go in there and I look and it's like, the only thing that's calming is that what they have on me is some like 10 year old profile of me with my email address and my postal address in China connected to my old Chinese phone number that's definitely been recycled 10 times since I left left it. So it definitely belongs to a Mr. Zhang now. And I really don't think that you can do much with that old data. It's not perfect, though. It's definitely something that it's important not to think too much about. I think the solution is for us to be a little bit honest about it, at least. Yeah, the solution is to be honest about it and to just sit with the uncertainty. Because to obsessively try to um, and um, remove uncertainty can get you in a lot of trouble. And it's like <clears throat> Dr. Luke would always tell, tell me about how we have these like medical diagnosis labels like IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, but it's like not actually a thing. It's just a psych, it's just women who are anxious. And then you like call it IBS and you like, it's really just like, it's a person that needs talk therapy because there's their gut is getting fucked up from their mind being too anxious. And then we're out here trying to treat the, the gut problem because it's, it's viewed as offensive to not take it seriously and to be like, <clears throat> it's heard as dismissive if you say, I don't know. There should be a way to frame it, though, and be like, yeah, we have to treat the source problem here. You just need to chill the fuck out, lady. I definitely have the gut of a woman. Like, what you need is not this disgusting poppy drink. What you need is... You need talk therapy with someone who... With an elder who is a member of your community who has wisdom to him. You need to talk to someone who's wise. You need to listen to someone who has some wisdom to them. That's like your actual problem. Not that you need some sort of like, you know, IBS treatment. Oh God, I'm such an idiot. I hate myself. Teresa had this great thing Teresa listens to the podcast and, and she had this great suggestion for me that whenever my inner self, my self-talk is saying bad things about me, I should redirect it and say it 
And imagine it saying it to my dad. <clears throat> the idea being probably that I will be more charitable to someone outside of myself. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay. I'm just a guy, you know? I'm just a guy. Okay. Let's review the third water. Trader Joe's sparkling water. Watermelon lemonade. Trader Joe's now. Odd side, this is going to be wonderful. Oh, that's so good. It's way more watermelon than lemonade, and that is just... It's a little bit in the realm of hyper-realism, where watermelon doesn't actually taste that clear. Watermelon has a lot more funk to it, but they isolated that one thing about watermelon that's the most watermelony aspect of it and removed all the vegetal funk rind quality of what actual watermelon tastes like. And they isolated that clean flavor and put a tiny bit of it in water and just let it shine. God, I'm really not noticing any lemonade in there though, but that's still just, I could drink 10 of those. That's 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 for how many of them I could drink. Um, all right, I got to go now. I got to go look at this house. And I'm so set on it. And maybe I'll record some more about how embarrassing it is that I developed a sense of wanting this house even before seeing it and how wrong I was. All right, love you guys. Have a good day. Pling, 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 pling. Okay. <clears throat> so now it's the next day. So the first thing that happened was that um, I, I finished recording. I was going to go look at the house. And she was like, I haven't finished cleaning it. Can we postpone just a day? So now it's the next day. And I just went and looked at it. And it's it's um, it's funny because I think it's working out. I liked it. She seems nice. She kind of offered it to me. She kind of gave me a lease contract to read and we're probably going to figure it out and I'll move in there. So now I can like retroactively, I'm really interested in this thing. Like if it hadn't worked out, then I would have had to downplay how into it I was to not make myself feel like I'm a person with shitty judgment. And now that it is working out, I can view myself as someone who, yeah, I was into it because I have good judgment and it was happening. But really, it's just random. I don't know. It's such an unformed thought, but... Yeah, I don't know. She's... This lady, she's some sort of hippie lady who has a bit of property and built a nice little cottage on her property. And it's just nice and clean and freshly built. I've talked about this. I talked about that on the episode with Doug, how... There's a lot of stuff around here that's just like, it's so shitty and it's so old and it's so dirty and people live in it. And it's just, this is really small, but it's really nice and clean and new. So yeah, I don't know. Now I can feel good about something, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There's this other thing. I guess I didn't have that much to say about it. More than just... Pfft. Yeah. 
I guess it didn't explode. I guess it didn't implode. It's just a tiny little 430 square foot cottage. Whatever. There's this other thing I want to talk about, which is like, I was, I've been playing this video game. It's called Riders Republic. I, it's so interesting to me. It's a little bit like, um, this feels like a cultural, um, successor to what MTV was in the 90s. Cause MTV in the 90s was a, I mean, it's a company, it's a corporation, but it was like this tastemaker for the entire culture. So there was a thing where young people were worshiping MTV. And then now they have these video games and it's like, it's a game, it's a game where you, 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 you play all the different sports like um, mountain biking and, and you have a trick mountain bike. So there's both down, there's both racing there's both a way to play it where you're racing so you get from A to B as quick as possible and there's a way to play it where you're really just supposed to get as many points as possible in all these different trick things and there's skiing and snowboarding and biking and there's like this uh, squirrel wing whatever wing suit thing and then there's like a rocket suit kind of made up thing that I don't really think is a thing in reality and then there's like snowmobile and there's all of these different things and, and it's really high paced and they, they just made it visually incredibly beautiful where they took like a big chunk of Yosemite and sort of put it next to a big chunk of Joshua tree and then put it next to a big chunk of like six other just major national parks that have these like stunning, really jarring geology. And so they just made this like massive area of all the different national parks smashed together like sequoia national forest you like mountain bike through this like photorealistic beautiful golden hour dap like honey colored sunlight sequoia forest and you mountain bike through it really quick but so there's this game that's like really straightforward that you could just view as a game like that and that's fine but then they add this other angle where first of all it's not particularly online you kind of play it alone but they force an online angle to everything because they because you, there's something about loneliness in all of this. Where like, there's you look at the map and they just have a thousand tiny little white dots of all the people who are also on the map at the same time, and you can kind of see them and they kind of appear and 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 disappear out of view and they don't really matter and you just pass through them like ghosts and you don't really interact with each other and it's fine, but they just, they don't want it to seem empty and lonely. So they put a thousand online players, sort of like the ghosts of them existing on there. It's the same in the death stranding game that I was talking about. It's so fucking weird in that game because that game is way more of an offline game. It's just, there's a story, there's a first map. You do this weird you know, there's this weird spooky Japanese baby sidekick character. There's all this weird storyline going on. But but they just also have an, a weird online element where, like, you're running around in the wasteland and suddenly there's a bridge where there didn't used to be a bridge. And when you walk up to it, there's a little sign that says who built it. And it's like some real person who the game has connected you with that person and said that whatever they build shows up in your world and whatever you build shows up in the, their world and you're like randomly connected with this person and it's got this like random you, you can't communicate there's no way to send them a message 
but you know that they exist and you see traces of them. And then sometimes, rarely, you just see like this weird ephemeral ghost figure of them just walking in the distance and then disappearing. So it's like there's this weird distance but presence. It's very weird how they force this into games where it really doesn't make any sense because like the Death Stranding game is like a weird, lonely, post-apocalyptic, dystopian thing is the point. So for there to be like these blinking colors in the middle of the wasteland with like weird player names, it really sort of ruins the fourth wall. But that's the fourth wall that they want to ruin. But the most, the craziest thing in the Writer's Republic thing is how it has this weird MTV angle where there's cutscenes and you, you make all the outfits like of all the other players and yourself. Everyone is made to look very cool in this sort of MTV way. And there are these cutscenes where it's like, you're all laying down in the snow playing Jenga and then your your friend and everyone everyone is like a different race and everyone is dressed all crazy and super fashionable and there's like loud music playing and, and everyone is bursting into dance like cutscene and now you're dancing and everyone is dancing and then cutscene your best friend is like a young cool looking Asian gal in like a inflatable giraffe costume on a mountain bike and you're playing Jenga in the snow with your friends and your BMX friend just like flies through the air over the Jenga and you all roll and dodge for cover but the Jenga tower didn't collapse and it's like and now there's music and now you know now we're doing pranks and now someone is slapping someone on the butt and now you're pushing someone off into a fucking trampoline and it's like everything is super high paced and super colorful and everyone's laughing and you have friends there's like these cutscenes of friendship. It's a lot like a Coca-Cola commercial or something. We're like, this is maybe a little bit 90s, but I remember, hold on, I, I got to drink this iced coffee. There was like a weird, really pushy angle in the Coca-Cola advertisement world in the 90s where, yes, it was about the drink and the drink looked really refreshing and the the drink was always ice cold and it was always on a hot day. But there was so much of it that was like you and your five friends just went to a concert and now you're on the subway and the sun is coming up and it's been a long night of partying and you're on like, you're all like resting on each other as the sun is coming up and the subway is bringing you back into the city and you crack open a Coca Cola and you look out over your five friends and you look out over the sun coming up over the city and your friend is like, your hot female friend is just sleeping on your shoulder. And it's like, there's this like friendship angle. There's this like group. You have a tribe and like fun shit happens to your tribe. And everyone is like really cool looking. And it's like really colorful and intense and you don't get a lot of sleep. But these are the days we live for, you know. And it's so fucking crazy and terrifying. Because there's there's something terrifying in the in the the um, dissonance to me because like with the Riders Republic video game, the motherfucker who spends a ton of money on a gaming rig and then sits at their house with a really good internet connection, and they decide to sit down and play like a BMX fucking downhill skiing snowboarding whatever video game and decide to play it a bunch. 
I, I like I promise you that there's absolutely no overlap between the people who actually live that life of having like five friends and a hundred acquaintances on the mountain and they go to Joshua Tree every weekend and they do all the different sports and they're fucking stand up paddleboarding through their youth. Like there's no overlap between the person playing the video game and the person living that life. That's what's so terrifying about it. Because it's not that that life is impossible to get to. Especially, I talked about this like two episodes ago, how there was this girl who sat down. I, I was serving this girl um, and Tristan who works at Holbrook. She pointed her out and was like, that girl, she's a professional snowboarder. And she picked me up once when I was uh, hitchhiking. And I go over there and I told her, I was like, you picked up my coworker once hitchhiking. And she explained how like, yeah, like I snowboard every day. And like when there's someone walking, I always pick up the hitchhikers, you know, and that is that person. <laughs> she proved the existence of that lady sitting on table 22 with her two bro friends. And she's a professional snowboarder and her friend is a professional mountain biker. The existence of them and the multi-sport hobby that they have and they the fact that they are friends and the fact that the guy just sold his house and he's living out of his car and he's probably got a lot of money like that's the third guy the, the fact that they are friends and that there's a lot of money and that we can just hang out all day and snowboard and that we there's sponsors like they prove the existence and the hitchhiking the hitchhiking is like <laughs> it's the angle that makes it less lonely because anyone can like make a million dollars on Bitcoin and then decide to snowboard every day. But if it's lonely, what good is it, you know? But the existence of that there's three of them and that the picking up of the hitchhikers is the linking to the larger community. We're like, you know, you go to Truckee outside of Tahoe and, and you go snowboarding and it's like, it's not the biggest place in the world. You can probably, if you go there every day, I'm sure you kind of get acquainted with most of the people. And then I'm sure you kind of have weird offensive terms for the people just visiting that you never get to know, you know? Flatlanders. That's the people that drive in from Sac. The people who don't live up the hill. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, God, I need this coffee. I don't know. There's something like I play this video game alone at night and I just want the game to shut the fuck up and let me be lonely and alone. Like, do you have to, can you just let me chill? Can I just sleep in in the morning and then like go to Hartwood and have a bowl of fucking salad and then like maybe just see a friend for 30 minutes like every once in a while and then go to work and like really enjoy my work and like have a lot of friends at work and then go home and play video games for an hour like can I be allowed to just live that life without having you rub it in my face that I need to have 50 friends that all need to like dress up crazy and like I fall asleep on a couch on the mountainside and I get woken up by someone throwing a flare at me or like someone putting a flare under the blanket and I lift the blanket up and there's like colorful smoke everywhere and we do pranks on each other every single day and we dress crazy and we just wear purple wigs and we're just like rolling down the hill and we knock our front teeth out. But these are the memories, you know? These are the Coca-Cola commercials that we live for. It's like, can you just shut the fuck up? Can you just let me be alone? Can I just be allowed to figure it out for myself and decide what I want to do? 
And then the game has this thing called offline mode or Zen mode. I think it's called Zen mode and it is the offline mode. And when you do it, you enter the world and there is nothing. There are no other people. There are no events. There are no races. There's no trick challenges. There's nothing. There's just a mountain. You can pick your vehicle and you can just go and there's nothing else. You can explore it. There's nothing to pick up. There's nothing to interact with. There's no race. There's no way to stay entertained. Like you could have made it a single player thing where I get to race and, and do the tricks and stuff against the computer and I just get to fucking chill and play a video game without you making it a big MTV metaphor about loneliness. But they like refuse to do that. And it's like, there's like these voiceovers of people saying funny shit the whole time and everyone has like a weird accent. Like there's like a German guy and a lady with a French accent and like, you know, a Japanese gal with a Spanish accent. You know, a big black guy with a with an with a British accent. And it's like everyone has this interesting background thing and everyone has like a really on point style. And then there's this self-referential thing of they crack jokes and they're not funny. And then they're like, okay, that joke wasn't funny. And everything is like really, and like people are all different ages. Like there's an old guy, you know, there's old guys. I don't know. There's something wrong with our culture. There's something really... There's a sick desperation to it all. I just cannot... I just cannot imagine that people playing it... I don't know. I mean, I guess what it's supposed to be is... It's supposed to... Make you feel like you are part of that group. You watch the cutscene with the five friends here and the new five friends here and... It's all these different crazy things happen and you're supposed to be feel like you're part of that. And then there's this other crazy angle to it also about money and sponsorship where so you buy the games, you pay 40 bucks for the game. And then in the game you can buy money so that you can buy new t-shirts. Fine, normal. But then there's this thing where you can also get money by getting sponsorships. So in the game, you simulate that you are a professional snowboarder, for example, who get like a sponsorship from Ford. So Ford gives you free shit to, in the game, basically speak to a crowd and to an audience and make videos of yourself in Ford gear that you show to an audience and to the audience, you like have a thankful attitude about Ford to the audience. But there's this weird mind trick where really it's not about the, the audience doesn't exist. The audience is just a bunch of 3D model human beings waving their hands up in the air. You're the actual audience. And it's like. It's like this weird manipulation thing where because you are being made to. Um advocate for Ford to a made-up cardboard cutout in a video game, you are, it's like a much more feeling like you are the messenger instead of the receiver is a great way for a corp, like making the customer feel like they are the messenger instead of the receiver is a great way for the Ford corporation to really get into the mind of the customer. Because when you start advocating for something, it's like a, you, it's like debate team, you know, like if you put someone in a debate team and just give them the task of advocating for something for like a whole semester, at the end of the semester, they're going to be completely in favor of that thing. Like you cut the class in half and you tell half of the kids to to just write essays, pro-abortion essays, 
the whole semester and then you take the other half of the class and you have them write anti-abortion essays for the rest of the semester. Like, at the end of the semester, those people will have truly absorbed those opinions because when you express an opinion, it's way different. It's It gets way deeper into your subconscious than if you hear and like if you're made to feel like the opinion is given to you like if you are asked to invent the opinion it becomes yours so there's like this careers section in the video game where you can go in and and seek sponsorships from all these like actual corporations like red bull and then you fucking gear up in all red bull and you fucking mountain bike through the audience wearing all red bull and you're you're all like yeah red bull is great i want to i want to thank red bull for giving me this fucking bike but the bike is a fucking 3d model and that bike didn't cost them any money you know because that bike is just in a video game it doesn't exist so why are you out here thanking red bull bro it's like there are so many fucking weird mind tricks going on in this in this fucking video game. And it's really, it's funny because there are all these serious video games with like a serious storyline and, you know, really involved things with like a complicated, you know, role-playing games with complicated weapons systems and battle systems. And you have to like compare two different swords because they have all these different numbers for the different metrics of the sword. And you compare them and you have to do all this math to figure out like what's better. And and I can enjoy a nice high-minded game, but I also just wanted to have a a stupid game. I just wanted to have a stupid game where I just like go really fast down a mountain on a mountain bike in a photorealistic, beautiful landscape. And I just thought it's like really nice and relaxing to just do something that's mindless, something that I won't be too addicted to. And in a way, this is working because I am not getting too addicted to it because if I would be more addicted to it if they had added more of an angle of you get, you get, you get better, but it's really just like you play the game and you're the same the whole time. And if you play and amass stuff more, I don't know. I'm not that addicted to it, but but it's it's just ironic because I really wanted something mindless. But as I'm playing this, it's like there's so much mind manipulation going on that it's really like not that relaxing and it's not that mindless. It's actually like really fucking stressful. But at the same time, there's probably a thing where for people my age, you've made the choice like either you play video games or you mountain bike i don't know my sponsor my old sponsor in seattle he did both maybe i'm wrong maybe there is maybe there the same person does both because the thing is if you can do both i'm sure you experience it differently and experience it nicer but um uh, what I was going to say is I feel like younger people, like at Holbrook, we have this uh, busser kid, Noah, who's like such a little cool kid and everyone loves him. And I love him and he loves me. And and our power couple name is Noah Kim. And it's just it's just about the best thing ever. But it's interesting to know, to get to know people of different ages and to see what's up with people. And the people that age, like mid-teens... They are, they are not as much on board with how, I would like them to be a little bit more on board with how we shouldn't have any social media because it'll fuck us up. They, they haven't actually 
absorbed that yet, which is disappointing. But but I do think that there's something to it where they there's a dynamic flexibility there where they do play some video games, all of them. And they do a little bit of programming and, and just like nerdy stuff like that. And then they also are open to doing some outdoorsy shit. And they also like fuck around with their cars and stuff and learn this mechanic shit. And it's like there is a there's a range to it that I think is is good. Generally, a lot of them are there. They have a good range where they do a lot of different shit. And Noah definitely has potential to be a cool kid on a mountainside who, you know, who has five friends and everyone is maximum interesting and has a different ethnicity, you know? I don't know. <laughs> Fuck. There's something so relaxing about, like, all those guys and then there's, like, a 50-year-old guy in the mix. There's something relaxing about it, how... Maybe two decades from now, life isn't over and I can still do that. Maybe I can still be on a mountainside and just be the old guy in the group. So connected to drinking and stuff. I, I makes me think of how in Seattle, Julie works for this um, neighborhood bar called Ha, H-A exclamation mark. And um, the same people go every day and hang out and it's very small and everyone knows everyone and... Uh, lots of drama and all the staff is super involved with the drama of the community and and they all hang out after the bar closes and stuff and then there's one old guy and his name is martin and he's like an old photography guy who's like the massive expert on photography and used to be like the big guy for kodak and he had all these studios where they would do shit and then photography isn't a thing anymore like developing film he just like never figured out a new thing. So his last 20 years of his career was just like this slow, painful decline. So he is like a very sad character and he's physically very ill and should not drink. And the unfortunate thing is that in that community, and this is definitely a thing I felt in Seattle, like in Seattle, there are lonely people and then there are alcoholics and the alcoholics have so many friends and they really figured it out. The other people are really lonely and they're really stuck at the house and their lives really suck. And then there's people who just go to the bar and at least they have community. It's like super fucked up and they all are drinking themselves to death. But at least, at least they got the band back together, you know? And I think that's a path I'm terrified of. Becoming Martin, I think a part of me looks at the old guy in the Writer's Republic game and doesn't believe it. Doesn't believe that there, it's possible you know, all my uncles have cancer, you know, you hit 58 and you're riddled with cancer. There's no way to just be 58 and just prank people on the mountainside. And I bought an old ice cream snow cone bicycle, you know, a hot dog cart, some shit like that. I'm going to drive my hot dog three wheel cart down the mountain. And I'm going to do 720 flips with it. You know, the 58-year-old guys from Germany. Everything's so fun and fearless. Great game, though. So much fun. My favorite part is the wingsuit, where, which doesn't have an engine. It's just, you start on a mountaintop. You just float down, and you float really fucking fast. And it's about 
um, getting points for flying really, really close to the ground and really close to trees and like finding tiny gaps between the trees and just zipping through the um, cracks between the trees and and not crashing in, but all near misses is what, how you get points. And if you if there's an overhang and you fly under something, that's the biggest bonus. And it's just like so exhilarating. Like in a photorealistic, beautiful Yosemite, you know, whatever, all these canyons and shit landscape to just be flying between the trees and not crash into the trees. And it's like hard, so you do crash into the trees. And then when you get it and you you do the whole run and you don't crash into anything and you have a perfect run with like a million points because you were so close to crashing a million times, but you never crashed. And you fly so close to the ground and it's absolutely like absolutely wonderful it's so exhilarating incredible it's, it's an incredible video game fucking ubisoft man they got some good shit they're not the best and they're kind of soulless but they got some good shit which is interesting because um my my um my sister's dude he um he works for ubisoft he's a game developer and he always follows the rules and some, every time I'm in Sweden, I'm like, what are you working on? And he's always like, I'm not allowed to say it. there's an NDA. And I'm like, but dude, like, we're family. Can you just tell me? And he's like, I'm not allowed to say there's rules. I'm like, and I low-key get offended, but I can't tell anyone. And I shouldn't be because, like, he'll get fired if it... First of all, I don't keep secrets. So he would tell me that I would say it on the podcast. And he would definitely get fired. <laughs> so rational of him to not tell me. But... I still get offended that he doesn't tell me. Oh, God. Stupid Philip. Yeah, anyway. Love that guy. Best thing that ever happened to my family. So, um, love you guys. Thank you for listening. Kind of a long episode. Um, come see me in North San Juan. If you're ever in North San Juan, look me up. I love that expression. Look me up. Like, what did that mean? In the phone book? Yeah. If you're ever in North San Juan, look me up. Have a good day, all Thank you.